Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. It just so happens to be my show, and I am glad to have you hanging out with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, real quick, I want to take Dave's call before I radically move on to other things. Dave, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Great. Uh, I'd like to, you, you were talking to Sandy about Afghanistan. I'd like to make the point that uh, we, we saw the pictures of the helicopters evacuating people off from the embassy in Afghanistan. I'd like to make the point that uh, uh, the same thing happened in Vietnam, and the same guy was responsible. Why would I say that? Uh, we won hands down uh, militarily in Vietnam, and according to the Paris Peace Accord, the provisions for that was the, the Vietnamese would receive bullet for bullet for anything uh, that they lost in defending themselves um, by the United States. However, Nixon was impeached. Ford took over. Uh, the Democrats took control of Congress, and they betrayed the, the Vietnamese. Um, the Vietnamese could have been another South Korea economic miracle, but it was halted by a senator from, um, you know, his name is Joe Biden. Right. What I'm saying is the same, same guy who did Afghanistan is the same guy who betrayed the South Vietnamese in, in, uh, in Vietnamese. They could be our ally. They could be another South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I'm, I'm telling you, this guy yeah. is not incompetent. Yeah. Biden is not incompetent. He is evil. Biden, you know, so those of you who don't know what Dave is talking about, Dave's right that Biden was one of the leaders in trying to force us from the Senate out of out of Vietnam and allow the Chinese or allow the Vietnamese communists to take over. Given Biden's history of statements, you know, they've now uncovered the footage of him using the N-word repeatedly in the Senate. Why isn't he canceled if Joe Rogan must be canceled? He's got... Biden's got all sorts of foreign policy problems. Um, I, I you know, listen. I I hesitate, and I know this gets people upset. I, I hesitate to use the word evil in discussion. A politician I dislike because uh, we're all sinners. We all fall, fall short. Um, Biden just doesn't seem to think he's a sinner. Um, but the, the policies that Biden supports, uh, the, the the ultimate consequence of emboldening evil around the world, is something to behold. Uh, including getting out of Afghanistan and handing it back over to the Taliban. It's 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 something we got to deal with. And well, we're stuck with him till 2024. Now I want to move on. There's a story. Reason Magazine has the story and I'm just flummoxed by it. Credit where it is due. This is for um, Lenore Skenazi at Reason Magazine, I may be mispronouncing her last name. Just just listen to this. This is infuriating. When COVID-19 shut down her children's daycare in May of 2020 and Melissa Henderson had to go to work, she asked her 14-year-old daughter, Lindley, to babysit the four younger siblings. Lindley was engaged in remote learning when her youngest brother, four-year-old Thaddeus, spied his friend outside and went over to play with him. It was about 10 or 15 minutes before Lindley realized he was missing, so she guessed he must be at the friend's house and went to fetch him. In the meantime, the friend's mom called the police. Now Melissa Henderson, a single mom in Blairsville, Georgia, 
is facing criminal reckless conduct charges for letting her 14-year-old babysit. The charges carry a maximum penalty of a year in prison and a fine of $1,000. The arresting officer, Deputy Sheriff Mark Pelote, Pelote, wrote in his report that anything terrible could have happened to Thaddeus, including being kidnapped, run over, or even bitten by a venomous snake. When Henderson protested the kid was gone for only a few minutes, Pelote responded that a few minutes was all the time it took a venomous snake. There's a photo of the supposedly busy street and jungle-like conditions that he has faced in this report. You can see his friend's house right across the street. It is a very narrow street. Uh, you can see the mountains in the background. It is very rural, not exactly highly trafficked, and a whole lot of grass, not a lot of trees. The case has gone on for two years. Henderson's lawyer, David DeLucas, argues that charging a mom for a normal parenting decision was unconstitutional, according to the Georgia Supreme Court in 1997. In that case, the mom left her 11-year-old babysitting a younger sibling who died in an accident. Even then, the court ruled it was arbitrary and subjective to call the mom's decision reckless. What's more, Georgia's own child protective guidelines say kids can babysit at age 13. Henderson has been investigated by DFACS, the Department of Family and Child Services in Georgia. About a year earlier, when Thaddeus was three, he wandered outside. Henderson was no longer under DFACS supervision when the second incident occurred. DFACS investigated the conduct this time and found it unexceptional, and the case closed. But Pelote, the officer, decided he knew best that there was a pattern here. Five police cars went to her house. She was placed in a police cruiser. She was taken to the jail. Her ex-husband bailed her out. The district attorney, Jeff Langley, says he felt the cops acted prudentially as the boy had been outside once before on his own. He added that even a guilty verdict would most likely not result in prison time. Why should this woman be prosecuted? We're in COVID lockdowns. She doesn't have a job where she can work remotely. She's got to go to work. There's no one to look after the kids. What happened if she took the kids to work? Would you charge her then? She's in a damned if she does, damned if she doesn't situation. Would you rather her be unemployed and not get paid and the kids starve? And then defects could come take this woman away. This is horrible. This is horrible. We put parents in lockdown situations, in terrible situations. And then when they make a choice, we punish them for making the choice. The officer claimed that the 14-year-old daughter had a learning disability that made her an unreliable babysitter and the mother should have known better. Do you know what the learning disability is? The daughter has ADHD. 
She also has a GPA of 4.45. She's the vice president of the 4-H club. She broke the school record in varsity track, and she completed the Red Cross child care program and is certified in CPR, but she's ADHD. Can I say there's another side of the story we're not talking about here? This is ridiculous, by the way. This is absolutely ridiculous. And if you live in Blue Ridge, Georgia, where I know you can hear my voice on the radio, you should be appalled at your local law enforcement and your local district attorney going after this woman. You should be appalled. But there's another side of the story here. We have a single mom. She asks her 14-year-old to look after the younger siblings. And the youngest goes outside to see his friend who lives across a rarely traveled street in plain sight of the house. And the friend's mother calls the cops. Seems to me that there's a there's a side story here on what's the deal with the friend's mom? Does the friend's mom not like Miss Henderson? Why would you call the police instead of saying, hmm, let's check what's going on? When do we outsource being a neighbor? What part of love your neighbor says, oh my gosh, call the cops. My kid's friend from across the street is in our yard. Call the cops as opposed to, hey, let me love my neighbor and see what's going on. She's a single mom with four kids and her boss won't let her work remotely. Why are we prosecuting this woman as a taxpayer in the state of Georgia? I myself have to wonder, why are we prosecuting a single mom who had to go to work and had to do something and couldn't take her kids to work? Maybe there's more there there. Maybe there is. Maybe reason isn't telling it all. But it seems a little bit bizarre in any event that you would be prosecuting someone for allowing their 14-year-old to be in charge of the other kids while you're gone. You know, my wife and I, we've worried about this for years. We've got two kids now, 16 and 14. Do you know, I think I can remember on one time, maybe two, I think one time, we are a babysitter. We gave up going to nice restaurants for a very long time. Unless my wife's parents could watch the kids. We didn't want to leave our kids with a random babysitter. My wife didn't want to do this. Both of us, my wife and I, when we were kids at that age, would babysit. Been babysitting kids since I guess I was 10 or 11 years old. Christy as well, babysitting kids when she was young. I did it in Dubai. It was a little bit different. Do you know when I was 11 years old, my parents let me fly around the world by myself and the plane crashed. 747, I'm not making it up. I shouldn't say, I guess, crash. We, we we ditched the plane in Innsbruck, Austria with no wheels or hydraulics. So the plane had caught on fire. Had to go down the slide, left all my baggage on the plane. I was 11 years old. Can you imagine if I lived in Blue Ridge, Georgia, the cops would arrest my parents for letting me fly around the world. It's what we did. It's what we did. It was very common. After that, I could pretty much go anywhere, wherever I wanted to go by myself. 
I'd start taking my sister with me. We'd come home early. We'd get out of school in Dubai. and want to go back to the States to see my grandparents. And my sister, after that, she'd travel with me. I was 11 years old. Had to had to find my way back to the States after my plane crash lands in Innsbruck, Austria. I wind up getting to Amsterdam, and there are no hotels available because the Jehovah's Witnesses are having a conference at near the airport at Schiphol. All the hotels are full. Do you know where I stay? I'm not making this story up. This is a true story. I stayed in the Crown Plaza in the red light district in Amsterdam. I did. In the middle of the night, hotel employees came into my room and began to, well, do what adults sometimes do in Amsterdam. On my bed, I woke up screaming. They put me in a limo the next day. They drove me back to Schiphol Airport, literally drove me to the side of the new 747 and made sure I got on that plane to fly back to Atlanta. Can you imagine parents letting their kids do that these days? The whole thing's bizarre. You know, at some point, you got to let parents raise their kids, and some parents are going to screw up. They're going to make the decision that you or I don't think they should make. But I just, I'm left reading this story thinking, one, this is absurd. We put this mother in an unfortunate position as a single mom to raise her kids and go to work. Her oldest child has to take care of the other kids. One of them goes outside, and the police officer, because the kid might have been bitten by a venomous snake decides to press charges against the mother. And the DA's response is, well, it's unlikely she'd go to jail if she's found guilty. And there's that whole other side of the story, completely unexplored. Why did the neighbor decide not to love her neighbor? Why did the neighbor not say, let me see why this four-year-old is out of the house? Maybe something's gone on. Now, I know the neighbor doesn't want to be responsible for the kids, and the neighbor doesn't want to be the babysitter, but really? You call the cops as opposed to, hey, let me go check. It's not like we're living in an urban area. We're out in the middle of the country. Can't we just be good neighbors to each other and not have the police haul a woman off to jail because she had to make a very difficult choice? Maybe, maybe this whole story could have ended differently had that happened. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but don't let that deter you anywhere in the nation. They can help you. Hawaii to Maine, it doesn't matter. They can help your business grow. If you need access to loans, $750,000 and up for your business, reach out to First Liberty. They make their own decisions where a lot of banks are telling you no, they want to help you get to yes. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a fit for you and you for them. It's firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. I've known the Frost for years. They're super people. Reach out to them. But remember, $750,000 and up, is, uh, they do big deals if you want to be a big deal. Okay, we got to move on to other stuff. I, I, so I'm noticing a trend here. You know, Jimmy Carter is back on the, um, well, you know, the 2016 election was probably stolen and we should audit that. Um Jimmy Carter, just so you know, Jimmy Carter is history's greatest monster. If you don't get the reference, I'm sorry. You know, I've gotten hate mail before for calling Jimmy Carter history's greatest monster, but it's actually from The Simpsons. They had a fair point. Argyle sweaters, gas lines, killer rabbits chasing him while fishing. Eh, Probably history's greatest monster. Boy, I said that one time on radio and someone really got mad. I was like, it's from The Simpsons. 
But Jimmy Carter is now, what is Jimmy Carter? He's like the oldest living president, the oldest president ever who continued to live. Um, and Jimmy Carter is out saying, maybe we need to audit the 2016 election. He's 97 years old. We shouldn't be listening to a 97-year-old uh, in his conspiracy theories. But he he wants to re-audit the 2016 election. Meanwhile, the Democrats in Congress who buy into the conspiracy theory. By the way, it's QAnon for Democrats is the 2016 election was stolen. And now, of course, they're down with delegitimizing the Supreme Court. They were very happy a few weeks ago when the Supreme Court dealt a blow to Donald Trump's uh, legal uh, shenanigans against the National Archives and Congress and the like. And now they're back to delegitimizing the court. Why? Because on a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court allowed districts in Alabama to go forward. The Democrats just know it's racism that uh, Alabama's not giving a second black congressional district. They're, they're not creating one. It would give the Democrats two. And the Supreme Court more and more is of the position that you, if you really want to move beyond racism, stop designating particular districts for people of color and say, y'all all get this district. Actually make them part of society. You know, the irony here actually is that uh, majority minority districts have long helped Republicans. It's actually true. Majority minority districts long ago helped Republicans. The reason why is because Republicans could carve all the Democrats into a district and make it majority minority, and they'd have these weirdly shaped districts and say, well, we had to draw this district in this way in order to get a majority minority district. And no, that's going to be the Democratic district. And then everybody else was Republican. And in the minority majority minority districts really helped the Republicans in 1994. And now the Democrats are kind of flummoxed by it because the Democrats know that if some of these districts went away, they actually would have more competitive districts in which they might be able to run put a few more black people and a few more white liberal suburbanites in these districts together and you could get a democratic district, but it wouldn't be a black district because the dirty little secret is that a lot of white Democrats don't want to vote for someone other than a white Karen. So you got to create these majority minority districts and the Supreme court has said, Nope, you don't have to anymore. Sorry. Uh, it looks like they're going to gut this whole theory of the Democrats and how you apply the Voting Rights Act. It's going to be hilarious to watch them realize that, you know, the odd ironic thing is long term, it might actually help the Democrats. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number. Well, you know what? Actually, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to do something here. Oh, we might as well at the end of the show today make everybody mad. Charlie. Turn off the phones. You're not going to want the phone calls. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, uh, I I'm I'm going to go there, and y'all aren't going to be happy. Well, some of you will. I just I hope you'll all listen to me. Can we have a nuance? I got the time here. I, I I can stretch my legs. This is the great thing. You know, when I used to do just an evening show in Atlanta. Uh, every five minutes, I would have to go check with my friend Doug Turnbull on traffic. And so I'd start a thought and then have to stop it. Got very good at just encapsulated thoughts. Now I get to stretch my legs a little bit. We need to have a chat. My, my, my neighbor, Dave, 
my neighbor Dave, he and I actually tend to see, um, we agree more than we don't on the election in 2020. Uh, but as I've admitted to him, I'm very dogmatic when I say it wasn't a stolen election. Because one, it keeps people looking at the past. Two, it feeds grievance. And three, and this is the, the nuanced point, it's actually a very technical matter here where the election was not per se stolen in the way you think of stealing. So I say the election wasn't stolen, and I have a lot of friends who disagree with me. And when they start talking about it, uh, they find out we actually, to some degree, do agree. Although a lot of the stuff that they point out has been thoroughly debunked. There were not people overnight in Atlanta, for example, uh, stuffing ballots. Uh, there were not uh, election uh, proof of election machines throwing the race to Joe Biden that the hand count disproved. There, there, none of those shenanigans really happened. And the problem here is that so many people focus on the crazy stuff that really didn't happen. They've completely ignored the stuff that did happen. The election was not stolen on election night. What happened is the Republicans got outplayed in the courtrooms of America before the election even happened. Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu in The Art of War said, uh, win the battle before it's begun. That was uh, one of Sun Tzu's statements. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Every battle is won before it is ever fought. The election wasn't stolen because the Democrats won it before election day. Now, I say all of this for this. Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and others are probably going to lose their law licenses over what they did in 2020 with their crazy allegations. We're, we'll get back to Sun Tzu here. Just bear with me here. I want to read for you part of the Washington Post. The, the Kraken is backtracking. The many dubious and false claims of voter fraud and irregularities made by the lawyers aligned with Donald Trump after the 2020 election have forced something of a legal reckoning, a legal reckoning that continues apace. And perhaps nobody exemplifies that like former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell, who has now been forced on multiple occasions to acknowledge that the Kraken wasn't what it was cracked up to be. Remember, she said the Kraken was coming. The Kraken was coming. She said Donald Trump wanted a landslide and they're going to prove it. She's going to release the Kraken. Her exact words, I'm going to release the Kraken. They claimed that the Dominion voter machines were rigged and throwing the vote to Joe Biden. They claimed people were submitting, uh, filling out absentee ballots and sliding them through machines. They claimed a lot of stuff with a lot of edited video that people who don't know anything about how elections are processed could believe the shenanigans. The problem is she's probably going to lose her law license because a lot of things that were claimed just weren't true. In fact, two of the experts relied on 
uh, were not legitimate experts. One of them actually was accused of fraud uh, for scamming people. Another one turned out to be, I think, an auto mechanic. He claimed to be some sort of computer expert. And this was just in Michigan. I want to explain to you all the things you say were the stolen election and how the election was stolen. It wasn't stolen on election day. This is Sun Tzu and the art of war. The Republicans used to excel at this, and now the Democrats have bettered them. And this is all now coming to a head as these lawsuits are moving forward to disbar the lawyers who went out of their way to claim the election was stolen when the election wasn't stolen. What exactly is going on here? Let me break it down for you. Months and months and months before the election. We're talking a long time before the election. The Trump administration in response to COVID-19 released guidelines. See, this is where a lot of people who want to claim that the election was stolen, they have to leave out this key point because otherwise it makes it seem, well, the truth as opposed to the lie. The truth of the matter is that the Trump administration released guidelines on how to conduct elections in the event of the pandemic. Drop boxes, for example. Did you know that drop boxes were the Trump administration's idea? Drop boxes were the Trump administration's idea. Now let's take ballot harvesting. There are lots of allegations in Georgia about ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting is against the law in Georgia. That's where people show up beg you to give them your absentee ballot, and they cast it for you. They they take your ballot to the drop box. There are credible allegations now that the Democrats were engaged in ballot harvesting. They were grabbing, getting people's absentee ballots and then taking them and dropping them off, making sure that every Democratic vote got cast. That's wrong, but here's the thing. Under the law, the ballot harvester goes to jail, but the ballot doesn't get thrown out because the ballot's a lawfully cast ballot unless you can prove the ballot harvester himself filled it out and nobody's shown that. What actually happened here is that months before the election, the Trump administration released guidelines and the Democrats took full advantage of those guidelines, but they did something else as well. This is where all the nuance and the stolen election stuff gets gets lost. The Democrats outlawed Republicans in courtrooms across America. And part of the reason this happened, and you need to just accept this is true. Members of the Trump administration alienated the standard Republican lawyers who fight this stuff. The standard Republican lawyers who fight this stuff, the Ben Ginsburgs of the world, they're very establishmentarian. The Trump administration went to war with the Republican establishment, and they alienated a lot of these really good lawyers who do election law. You cannot take a DUI lawyer and drop him into an election law case. I've seen it happen, and it doesn't work well. When I was a young guy at a law school, my very first case was an election case. I was an elections lawyer. I know election law in this country. I know election law in Georgia. In my very first case out of law school, I had not yet even gotten admitted to the bar, but my law firm let me go handle the case with some lawyers in the courtroom for me because I had not yet been admitted to the bar, even though I'd passed the bar exam. It was a case of a uh, clerk of court for a superior court in Georgia who lost by about 19 votes. 
And I knew that you could not just find 19 questionable ballots and throw them out because there were a lot of people who didn't even vote in the race. It was a down ballot race. And there were about 100 people who hadn't voted in that race. So you needed 19, which was the margin of victory, plus 100. So you needed 119 people. And at the end of the day, the lawyer who was not a elections lawyer, but was a lawyer out of Columbus, Georgia, who really didn't know election law, kind of learned it on the fly. Uh, he was a real estate lawyer. Well, he lost the case because he showed 19 people had inappropriately uh, counted, inappropriately voted in the race, but you're not allowed to ask them who they voted for. You're not allowed to ask someone in court who they voted for. He showed 19 people voted in that race and they shouldn't have voted in that race. And I stood up at the end of the case. I said, your honor, he's missing the other hundred. Nobody in the courtroom understood what he was talking about or what I was talking about. I said, look, it's a matter of law. You can't presume that these people voted in this particular race and you can't presume that these people voted for a particular person. So you've got to show not just the margin of victory, but also the number of people who didn't vote. So in Georgia, for example, Joe Biden won with Georgia 11,700 votes, but there were 35,000 people who did not vote. So you cannot show me 11,700 ballots in the presidential race in Georgia and say this proves that Joe Biden really didn't win because there's another 35,000 people who chose not to vote in the race altogether. And under the law of all 50 states, you have to take the margin of victory plus the people who didn't vote in the race together. So really, you've got about 50,000 people you need to show and cast out and no one's been able to do that it's a legal standard you can't meet therefore you can't say the election was stolen even if you think it was stolen words mean things and to say stolen suggests there's a crime and it's a crime you haven't proven what actually happened is months and months and months before the election the trump administration put out procedures in place on how to conduct the election because of covid and democrats ran to court with their very best election lawyers and gamed the system. And the Republican lawyers were so pissed off at the Trump administration's treatment of them, they said, screw you, we're not helping. And the result is they had to go get Joe Blow DUI attorney to go into court against the expert Democratic lawyers. And guess what? The expert Democratic lawyers, even in front of Trump-appointed conservative judges who love the man, the Democrats won. So by the day of the election, the path had already been set. The game was already up. The war had already been won. You won the battle before it was even fought on the Democratic side because you gamed the system ahead of time and the best of the best lawyers on the Republican side sat on the sidelines and refused to even help the president because they were so mad at him. Burning bridges has real-world consequences, and the Trump team burned all the bridges with the best of the best election lawyers on the Republican side. So what happened? The Trump team could not admit it was their own pandemic guidance that the Democrats took advantage of. So here comes Sidney Powell with her Kraken, and crazy came with her. And they made all sorts of extraordinary claims, all of which have been debunked. From weird absentee ballots that had no creases, which have never been found to staying late to stuff the ballot boxes, which wasn't true, to Hugo Chavez's ghost, the Iranians and the Chinese collaborated together to hack the voting machines. All these voting machines printed out ballots and the ballots were hand-counted. It didn't help. 
they presented a theory of the case that allowed them to escape the blame. And now the consequences are coming. To quote Jeremiah Wright, the chickens are coming home to roost. Sidney Powell's legal team is probably going to have their comeuppance. Sidney Powell's legal team is more likely than not going to have her cases, well, all the cases have been thrown out, but she's probably going to be disbarred. And unfortunately and sadly, a number of lawyers who went to court to help Sidney Powell based on her theory of the case, they're going to be disbarred as well. A federal judge has issued a scathing indictment of their professionalism, pointing out that several of the experts you all relied on and believed because Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani gave you their credentials and how expert they were. Turns out they weren't those experts. They, they didn't have those credentials. They, they, they had lied, and, and Giuliani and Powell were moving so fast they didn't vet them and they got played, and now they're probably going to lose their bar license, along with some very good lawyers, a couple of whom I know, who tried to help them salvage their case, and they're going to get punished as well. And meanwhile, what do we have? In Georgia, we have a divided Republican electorate that is probably going to get Stacey Abrams elected unless they can unite behind Brian Kemp. In Nevada, you have a group of Republicans who are so mad about it, they may sit out and the Republicans could win that Senate seat and the Democrats may hold on to it because the Republicans are sitting it out. In Wisconsin, the Republicans are so fractured there, they could probably pick up seats in the state legislature and they may stay home. Because no one wanted to deal honestly with what actually happened with the election. Yeah, I'm dogmatic the election wasn't stolen because when you say the election was stolen, you're talking about something you don't even understand. You think you do and you don't. What actually happened is the Trump administration put forward COVID guidelines months before the election. The Democrats went to court, had judges twist the wording ever so slightly. The best of the Republican lawyers stayed home and didn't even fight it. And so on election day, the game was already rigged. The chairs were already set out. The battle was already won by the Democrats. And what you had left were the crazies coming out and trying to explain things to avoid anyone having to own up to the fact that all of this was already done months and months before the election. The, the, the game pieces were already put on the board in a way that when you went to vote, the Democrats were able to take advantage of a system. But who actually designed the system? Donald Trump's Department of Homeland Security with their COVID regulations. And the result in trying to ignore all of this and in trying to ignore the facts is Sidney Sydney Powell's Kraken lawsuit, where she's probably going to go bankrupt in dealing with the defamation of what she caused. And a lot of good lawyers are going to lose their careers because they tried to help her out. There never was a Kraken. There never were these expert witnesses. And the Dominion voting system machines never were rigged to steal the race. And so many people will go to their graves believing otherwise instead of actually paying attention to what actually happened. Months before the election, lawyers got together. The Trump administration alienated his very best lawyers, and the Democrats had their way in the courtrooms and set the decks for the 2020 elections. The way to move forward 
is for the Republicans to move forward and fight in 2022 instead of relitigating 2020 as if somehow that will fix what's about to happen. The Republicans have the advantage now. They need to get into the courtrooms this time and stop the Democrats from being able to do what they did the last time. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I I hope you understand now, as fully as I can elaborate for you, the, the whole Kraken situation. So many people so badly misled. And it frustrates me because in, in people have gotten so dogmatic. I've gotten dogmatic about it because I get tired of it. we got to move forward. It, it's one of my frustrations, frankly, in this Georgia situation with David Perdue claiming he's going to unite the party. How is he uniting the party? He, he's uh, sown division. He's divided everybody up. Uh, he's spread discord and dissension. He's fractured the party. He's fed grievances and nurse grievances to prevent the party from coming together. And then he claims he's going to unite it. You know, the, the man has $870,000 cash on hand, only raised $1.1 million. I have always liked David Perdue, and I just am horrified by him doing this, particularly after standing by Brian Kemp as long as he did, defending Brian Kemp to Donald Trump, and then suddenly, suddenly decides to do this, and he couldn't even beat John Ossoff. Now Vernon Jones has come out to support David Perdue. Vernon Jones is the Democrat who super pro-abortion, hates school choice, and then suddenly becomes this pro-life advocate of school choice Republican, can't get any traction in the Republican primary and drops out, endorses Perdue, and now thinks he should be coronated in the 10th Congressional District when there are a ton of really good candidates already in that race. The whole thing is absurd, and meanwhile... Stacey Abrams out there are able to pile in a bunch of money. The only one who's ever beaten her is Brian Kemp. Georgians will commit political suicide if they abandon Brian Kemp. And, you know, they just might do it because, well, they've bought into so many of the Kraken lies. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.